Dan, so happy to have you here, my friend. Thank you for making the time. Absolutely. It's great to be here. A couple of faces I haven't seen in a while, and I'm glad I get to see you today. Well, you know, these days, electronic friendship is still the same as real and in-person friendship. So, you know, we're, <laughs> of course, we're, absolutely. We're, we're totally good to go. You know, but right before we clicked on, we were chatting just briefly, and, you know, you're training partner on a regular basis what i can tell is, is you know marcus hendren good human being you guys said you run usually run a mile before you start warming up or whatnot as part of your warm-up and i just i know you've got a lot more competition and training experience than i do but i heard that running gets rid of all your gains so you may want to stop doing that mile run or you're just going to mm. go just right into the toilet hasn't yeah, been I've a thing for too. me it hasn't been a thing for me yet no <laughs> Oh, Wait, how, I'm curious, how, how often do you guys start with the mile run? Is that every session? Is that a couple times a week? What's the every session that we're together, we usually start with the mile run. Um, it just depends a little bit on the weather and like how like mm -hmm. amped up we're feeling like all through the winter. A lot of times that mile doesn't happen. I think we have a cutoff temperature. I think it's like <laughs> Good below 25 or something is like, <laughs> no, it's just, let's get in the gym and like row or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, at, at least three days a week, it starts with a mile. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's usually about how many times he comes over. How long have you been? Sorry, Pat. How, how long have you been training with Marcus regularly? Cause I, I know you guys are, you go way back as uh, competitors and, and Ohio uh, ites, I guess. I don't know what the term is for Ohio wins. Of Ohio. Ohio, Ohio wins. wins. There we go. Yeah, there yeah. we go. <laughs> um, so that's a funny story, actually. In like, I think in like 2019, at one point, he was like, "Hey, I want to come train at the barn." He just texted me. He only lives about 10 minutes from me, um, and he's like, "I'll be there at you know 4:30 a.m. or something like that, something crazy." And I'm like, I texted back in my head sarcastically in my head in my voice with sarcasm ha ha like sure sounds great i'll be there and then i woke knowing, up the next knowing morning. who would show up at that hour <laughs> what crazy psychopath is going to show up in my house at 4 45 and then i woke up the following morning with uh several missed text messages from marcus hendren at about 6 30 a.m when i woke up it was like, hey, where are you? Hey. And then it was like proceeded to be memes that got sent like over to like <laughs> a meme of it, a meme of like <laughs> all oh, these different things. And he was actually there. And then it, it didn't take till uh, 2020, all the gyms shut down. Mm. And he's just like, hey, let's work out. Like I have no place to go. And, you know, I'm going yeah. crazy. Like I need to get over there. And I'm like, okay. He's like, but for real, it has to be at 5 a.m. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll be, I'll be ready to keep time. keeping those farmers hours, uh, keeping them real. That's I that's call funny. I I'm, my nickname for Marcus is the hardest working American. Like yep. that guy, the fact that he comes over even three days a week during harvest or planting season and works out at five to six, goes home, helps take care of his kid, does all that. And then he is grinding sometimes mm. until 8 PM, 9 PM, like yeah, wow. out there planting. And at one point, I think he told me the other night he was out or they were out. It's not just him, but, uh, till midnight because you have a mm. window, right? You get mm -hmm. the ground's got to be right. It can't be too wet. It can't be, you have to take advantage of your window when everything, the conditions are perfect. And if that happens to be 8 PM to midnight, that's so when you're going it. to do it to get it done. Oh, yeah. So my goodness. Yeah. He uh, puts things in perspective, huh? Right. Yeah. Right? And you know what? He's still a hammer. Like he comes oh, in some days. I, <laughs> still, oh, let, let, hold on. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever think that a guy like Marcus Hendren is ever not going to be a hammer? No, I mean, no. I think that guy is going to be just a hard dude until they put him in the ground. He the has arms, toughness. No doubt just, in my mind. 
he has toughness just yeah. beat into him. Like he yeah. just, there's, there's days where I know he's had a rough week and he comes in and I'm like, he should not be this close to me in this AMRAP. Like he's trailing <laughs> by like, I should be ahead of him by at least a round. And I'm not like, he's right there. And it's specific movements. He'll, he'll still like catch me on things like things he's just great at, but uh, overall his fitness is still very impressive for the amount of time he spends outside of the gym. Well, for those of you that don't know, Marcus was a fixture in CrossFit competitions in kind of the early Carson era. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy, great competitor. And uh, yeah, it's awesome to, to hear that you guys still have that shared connection and get to get together regularly. That's that's really fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I mean, I've got Marcus up here and actually Graham just moved about three miles away oh, from awesome. me. So we've been trying to drag him over here, but he just had like his fifth child. So yeah. there's, there's not <laughs> a lot of that going on. Not a lot of working out going on at 5 a.m. for him yet. Yeah. Well, that kind of, you know, I've got a bunch of stuff I wanted to hit with you, but that kind of hits something I want to get to later, but it makes sense to hit it now, which is, you know, you've been ferociously training for years and it sounds like for a while it was solo in the gym. I was just curious how much you know, there's so many things that go into competing and competing well from the training program to the nutrition to recovery to to blah, blah, blah. But training environment, you know, versus Mm -hmm. your solo to you've got somebody pushing you on that AMRAP. Uh, We could talk about the other factors later, but how important is it the environment in which you're training to actually drive yourself forward? I mean, can you get to where you want to be just solo like Rambo in your garage every day or not really? No. I mean, if you're going to be a competitor, no training partners, I'd put at the top, like three things that you should need to have, you know, um, back in the olden days when I was training with Rich Froning down in Cookville, uh, you know, people would ask us who's doing the coaching, who's doing the programming. Like we don't, we don't have coaches. We just, we're just training partners. And that's Mm kind of how we go at it. We throw stuff at the wall and whatever sticks we kind of, we just do, um, whether it's an AMRAP or like maybe you're just doing rowing intervals, the rowers are always close enough that on that backstroke, I can see what pace he's <laughs> rowing at, right? And if it's one second faster than me, it's like, damn it, 143, not 144. That's what we're doing yep. today, you know? And those things all just happen without even thinking about it. It's just having that competition in the gym. And it's what makes a training partner one of the best assets you can have to be a competitor because you're going to go faster. You're going to go harder. You're going to, there's, there's a couple open workouts I've tried to redo and just match the pace per round. Mm-hmm. Like I do the math and it's some from 2012 that he and I did together. And he and I have talked about it once or twice. I'm like, I can't come close to like achieving that time by myself in the gym. Like there's no way granted. I'm probably not as fit as I used to be, but it's a, uh, it's crucial if you want to get the most out of a, a session and most out of yourself. Well, and I think that that trickles down to just the average affiliate member you know, that's kind of more our focus on on this podcast is we don't have as much influence on competitors, I don't think. Um, and so a lot of it is the average athlete. But I think that holds true as well. And I'm, I'm a garage dweller. I probably always will be. I like to get in there on my own and do my own thing. Um, but it's undeniable that when I'm in the affiliate, it's going to be a little bit more of a challenging session for exactly the reasons you outlined. And that doesn't mean that I have any aspirations of you know, I'm not, I'm not games bound. It's not going to happen, nor am I interested in that, but yeah, you get a little bit more juice out of the squeeze, uh, when you've got somebody else around you. So it's, it is interesting. There's so so many other, there's so many other like great things that come along with that, like the camaraderie Mm -hmm. and, you know, 
when you fall on your back after you, you and whoever you're pushing against or racing against just had like a good battle and a workout. It just makes it more fun. Like it's more interesting to do that way than just, ah, well, you know what? I mean, there's some days where that's okay. Like, ah, I just don't need to try that hard today. I'm going to go in the garage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get it done and do whatever. But when you want to get that push, having somebody else next to you is the best way to do it. Yeah. And I think that there's a, like healthy competition is something that people either A, learn about early in their life, and then they kind of forget about that later when sports are no longer something that's a, a fixture of their life. Uh, you know, they, they kind of go into the normal trajectory of, well, that was something I did when I was younger. Mm. And now that I have my quote adult life, I don't, I don't have physical challenge like that as much. And uh, I think that's a shame. Um, I'm kind of on the other end of that as well, not to make it about me, but you know, I didn't play a lot of sports um, in a, in a really structured way when I was younger. So I didn't learn about that kind of competition in like a high school sports way. Um, and so having that outlet throughout my life, I think has been really healthy and, uh, it's, it's good for everybody, I think, to experience that and recognize that, uh, you know, there's some really positive things that come with that. Um, cause I think these days competition can be seen as almost a negative sometimes, you know, people get so fixated on like, well, there has to be a winner and a loser. And you're like, yeah, that's subjectively true, but that doesn't mean that the experience is bad or, um, should be discounted, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, for anybody who potentially has been just living in a hole for the last decade or whatnot, is unfamiliar with you and your background, <laughs> I'm gonna I'll, I'll brag about you for a second. You know, you yeah, let's left get to the intro. We're you <laughs> yeah. five minutes deep, ten minutes deep. <laughs> you left into my mind as the guest we wanted to have on here because, like, like Boz says, we don't really dive down the the competition rabbit hole too frequently. But we had a a question posted on one of our previous shows, and it was about competing. And I was like, great, you know, Adrian and I could run our mouths about that. We know enough to be dangerous, but having somebody who has been a fixture in that area for a while, I think people would really benefit from. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you've competed at the games five times as an individual, correct? All top 10 finishes, not bad. Uh, (laughs) and, And I think everybody, and you won the open in 2011. Is that correct? I did. A lot of people forget that fact. <laughs> oh man, I remember those videos with uh was it was it uh Brian uh Yoke? Brian Yoke, yep, CrossFit Legacy. Uh, it's the first yeah, gym that I, I joined. And the the last workout, you guys doing that last out like the eleventh hour redo to get the score, the top score on the board. It was it epic. was awful. <laughs> it was such a bad day. And it was one of those things where like I if, I think I had to get I knew I had to get X amount of reps because Josh had actually submitted his score. Precious. I didn't have to win the workout, but I had to get so many mm, yeah. to beat him, like to get the points that I needed to win. And I was like, the second time I did it, I was like, I don't know, remember two or three reps away. And it was just like, all right, wait an hour. We're doing it again. We're going to do it one more time. <laughs> so I had a lot to learn in terms uh, of strategy, I guess. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a rough day, but well, that, came out on top. I, I was I was going to lead in for your accomplished resume to the to the viewers' question, but I'll get to that in a second because that just sparked something in my head, which is, you know, God bless you, competitors. You know that I love you. You know that, but you're all lunatics. You're all clinically insane. <laughs> you're clinically insane, either psychopaths or sociopaths. I don't know which one it is because 
a normal human being would not be so willing to suffer. The amount of suffering needed to excel at CrossFit, that's what I don't think people get. They see the number you need on the yeah. back squat. They said, the, the horrific lungs on fire, every cell of your body screaming to stop feeling, you, you all need to push through somehow. And you do that workout, like you just said, which I'm sure laid you on your back in absolute misery. And then you said, you know what? I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to push even a little yeah. bit harder. How in the world do you do that? I mean, not even once, but like literally for years. How, how do you suffer like that, mm. quite frankly? I, I think it's just, it's, you know, your will to be a champion. Like you want to win. You, I mean, there's something in you that that drives you for that top spot. And I'm sure that like, there's some natural ability that comes into it. Like you're just kind of good at this already. And so you realize the potential that's there and you're willing to push through anything to get what you want out of it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of the explanation. Does this apply to like, are you mega competitive in everything in your whole life or is it, you know, physical fitness? Probably more competitive in physical fitness, like in just athletics in general and sports. It's just always been that way. Um, I mean, I'm pretty competitive in a lot of things, but most of the time I hold uh, myself as the standard. Like I, I just need to be better than myself today than I was yesterday. I need to be better than X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. But for whatever reason in sports and in, in CrossFit, well, that person did that workout that fast. They just lifted that much. I have to go be able to do better than that. And I didn't today, so I need to next week or I need to tomorrow or so-and-so did X amount of thrusters unbroken. I better figure out how to do that. I need to learn how to do that so I can beat them. You know, it's, I don't know. It's just like the mindset. That's what I was always so impressed with. You know, for years I covered the sport and, and the performances were astonishing, you know, without question. Just seeing what the human body was capable of would always would leave me in awe frequently. But what I just didn't think the viewer at home, unless they were a CrossFitter, could understand was just the pain tolerance of mm -hmm. CrossFit athletes is, I don't want to say almost in a category by itself, but I feel that's almost a fair statement because you have to, a lot of other athletes suffer in their modality. Yeah, a hard set of 10 back squats or 20 back squats, that's miserable. Get that. Well, you all have to suffer like that. And you have to suffer like a rower suffers and like a track athlete suffers and like a gymnast. Like there's no escape, you know, like there's no escape. You have to actually be committed in every single one of those disciplines to rise to the top. And, and again, my hat was just off to everybody. I just don't think that ever translated well, you know, because no, some, and, and some of you made it look too easy. That was the problem. That was what I was just going to say is the, the problem with the games is you watch, you know, Rich, Kalipa, Tia, Annie, Sam Briggs, all these awesome people. And they do these events and like, it just looks simple. Like I've looked at it <laughs> on video and you're like, I feel like I could do that. Or like I even watch myself in some old workouts. I'm like, why did you stop there? Like, why did you have to put down the barbell? It looks yep. like the rep before that was so simple, but it's not. Like, it's just, you're in absolute agony. And the fact that they make it look so simple and then, you know, celebrations at the finish line when you won a lot of that, a lot of the agony gets overweighed by the how mm. elated you are for finishing first. And so you miss out on the, on your back floor, just dead, like not being able to move, you know, in pain, those, you know, it's just, 
you said it, you hit the nail right on the head with the athletes make it look too easy. They make it look like it's painless when it's not. I get lulled into that every single open when they have the announcements. You know, I get a front row seat oftentimes to seeing those performances, the first people out of the gate to do those workouts. And uh, it's like every year I think, oh, well, the strategy here is just to do it unbroken. Why, why would I, why would I take a break? And then, you know, you start the workout and a much different scenario unfolds. <laughs> and I, you know, it's, another thing around that, that uh, you, you jog my memory around, you know, people finishing at the games, what always blows my mind is seeing somebody absolutely empty the tank. And then 90 seconds later, they're giving an interview. It, I think that is one of the craziest things that people just miss because that's what's expected in sports. But it, I just cannot get my head around that, how, how you guys can just do that and then speak cogently about something uh, right afterwards. That just, I, it's still, I can't figure that out. That just blows me away. Good point. I should probably ask this person's question uh, before I forget and the entire interview <laughs> ends. And, and, and I think this will be a good lead into some, some future uh, discussions here. But this is the question that was posted that I wanted to get you on. And it is from Kate. Kay. And she says, thanks for another great episode. I watch every week. So thank you, Kate. I've been learning a lot. Uh, in a previous episode, number 56, Charlie mentioned that he'd been doing CrossFit for three years and has a goal of qualifying for the quarterfinals soon. I'm in the same boat. I'm 44 years old, and I've been doing this a little over three years. I love it. And this year, I started entering some online competitions as well as some local competitions and having some success. I'd love to hear what advice you guys have for somebody who is looking to start competing. So somebody that's got a couple local hmm. comps, online comps under the belt, maybe just enough to be dangerous, looking to maybe ramp it up and get serious. I'm sure you've heard this question a hundred times. What's, what's your go-to advice for somebody looking to go from the recreational athlete to, hey, I'm, I'm categorizing myself as a competitor. And I'm going to take a serious stab at this. It depends on the level of what you're saying you're going to take a serious stab at. If you're like, yes. I just want to move up the leaderboard 100 places or 50 places, like, cool. Like, I, you know, that's one thing. That's If you're saying I want to make it to any level of the games, my first question is how much are you willing to sacrifice? How much are you willing to give up of your day-to-day, -day, your social events, your fun time, your... Is the gym your fun time? Is spending six hours in the gym to eight hours in the gym your fun time? Like, is that because that's what it needs to be? I think mm. the 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 misunderstanding is that it's. I mean, it is a full time gig at any any level at this point. Masters, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you have to be very dedicated and be willing to give up a lot to to make it there, or to even have a chance to make it there. So. Um, what do your weekends look like? You're not going out and out on the boat and having fun. You're not going out with your friends. You're spending eight hours in the gym. Then you're going to go home, eat a well-balanced macro tracked meal and go to bed at eight 30. Like, are you willing to do that for an entire year? If you're not, then you might not have your goals really aligned with what's reality. Um, I think yeah, that's it, the other part that, obviously doesn't come across to the viewer at home watching the games. It's not only the, the pain tolerance and the suffering and making things look easy, but the sacrifice and the road that it took to actually earn the spot to get out there on the competition field. 
And I, I had that scratched down and you already touched on what I think is perfect. Saying that you want to compete is um, comfortably vague. Does that mean local weekend throwdowns? That might be a, a much smaller commitment to go out there and have some fun. Mm -hmm. Do we want to see you on a highlight reel at the games? That's also competing, uh, but that's a very different, a very different endeavor. When when you were in it, to give people a sense of it, let's let's contrast the two. So you're going to be 38 years old this year, right? I, I am 38. You're yeah, 38. 38. Yeah. When well, how old were you when you started CrossFit? 26. 26. Okay, so you've been doing it a little bit. When you were in the throes of it, you know, top 10, five times in a row at the games, what did a day of training look like then to, to operate at that level? Um, a day of training would look like coming in at, I don't know, 5, 6 a.m., something like that. Let's just say 6 a.m. and performing a full cardio session on the rower, on a bike, on a ski erg. Um, let's say the total volume there is between five and eight K on the rower worth of intervals moving directly into that's the start of the day. I'm going home after that. That's the start of the no, day. Yeah, that's, <laughs> this uh, is not... yeah, that's great. <laughs> great work. I'll see you again tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So that, <laughs> that kicked it off. And then you transition to, uh, uh, every minute on the minute or on the minute interval work with a barbell or ring muscle ups with a weight vest or handstand walking or, you know, anything that's any little weakness. that's going to help you. Uh, you're going to pull something out of a workout that you're not great at. And you're just going to work on that individually, um, in a whole bunch of different ways. You can make mm -hmm. it burn and suffer, or mm -hmm. you can make it heavy and long. You can, any of those things. So some specific barbell work, let's say 10 squat snatches every two minutes for 10 minutes. And you're trying to do all 10 of those every round unbroken, not mm -hmm. don't drop the barbell. Uh, just to develop some more capacity there. Take a little break, working in the gym, doing whatever, uh, come back at lunch, you got a heavy lift, uh, a power lift, usually one of the, it's either press squat or deadlift or pull, and then combined with some Olympic lifting after, and then you're going to hit like a nice spicy three minute, just pedal to the floor workout, right? Uh, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. Amanda would be a good example. Uh, nine, seven, five ring muscle up full snatch, something like that. Not, not what pops into my head is a three minute workout, but you and I obviously do that <laughs> in a different, a different time domain. So go ahead. <laughs> right. <laughs> so some, something like that. Um, and then, you know, a little more time goes by and then in the afternoon of the evening, uh, you're going to go out and do more interval, interval work where like an example of one that I remember being really nasty in particular, um, you have four minutes to get X amount of work done. So. 10 calories, 20 calories on the echo bike or assault bike or airdyne at the time, uh, double unders, pull-ups or toes to bar. Every time you make it, you just buy into the next round and you keep going, you keep going, you keep going until you fail. Mm -hmm. Then you mm -hmm. take a round off and then you go again and again and again until you fail, until you literally cannot complete the work. And then you might finish with some accessories. And I actually skipped over foam rolling, stretching, uh, you know, body maintenance, taking a trip over to the chiropractor, getting a massage, um, whatever those things might be as well. And that's all wrapped into a day with, you know, at the point where I was doing it, where you're still working or you're getting your master's mm -hmm. degree or whatever, you're just dedicated to the craft. So you make the time. Um, it's a full time deal. 
So Dan, how, how does that contrast to what your training looks like today? And I know that, you know, you just did well in the age group quarterfinals. So I wouldn't say I did well. <laughs> I'd say so? I did pretty terrible. I didn't oh, make it boy, on to the next I round. Well, I disagree. <laughs> I thought you did great. But <laughs> at any rate, <laughs> so how does your training look now? I mean, you just described basically four to five sessions a day um, on an average training day. That's that's a lot. What What does Dan Bailey train like now? Uh, the past two years when I decided, okay, I'm gonna let my pride down. I'm going to do the masters. I want to get back out on the floor after all the injuries, which is a whole nother story. Um, I, I told myself, oh, you get 90 minutes and yep. if you make it on 90 minutes, cool. If you don't cool, like that's what it is. Yep. Um, you got to move on at some point with your life in terms of mm-hmm. the value that you bring to mm-hmm. people. You brought a lot of value competing for a long time. And that's not necessarily where you bring the most value anymore. So that's a hard thing to swallow. It's a hard pill for me to swallow. As a a competitor, that's, yeah, that's got to be a tough psychological shift. Yeah. But at at some point I do have, I, you know, I had to admit that or come to terms with it and realize that it's the best thing for me. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, 90 minutes anymore. And and most of the time that 90 minutes is like at a a. 5am session, which is not always ideal in terms of sleep Mm -hmm. and all those other things. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's what I've committed to and it got me there last year. It didn't get me there this year. So it's just one of those things. Yeah. Let me well give you some praise for as far as you made it on 90 minutes a day, my friend, because I'm here to tell you as a master's athlete myself, not a competitor. I know a lot of masters and I know a lot of masters who are competitors and they are, as I mentioned earlier, they're crazy. I know so many masters athletes and maybe the kids are out of the house. I don't know if they've got just, they don't know what to do with their free time. I know so many people that are somewhere in their 40s or 50s and are training five hours a day, every single day. They are all in like, like lunatics. And so you're out there 90 minutes. I do what I can do. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Again, I think you made it tremendously far because the master's field, don't let anyone at home think the master's field, don't take it every bit as serious as somebody Uh, in their mid-20s. And and their capacity is getting to be ridiculous as well. I mean, gone are the days where you have to kid glove anything with with those age groups. I mean, it is unbelievable what they can do. Um, So... I, I do have a question then when you contrast this super high volume period of time, now you've got this 90 minute parameter. Um, and I want to come back to that too. I got another question around that and kind of the psychology of it, but, um, I, I'm curious as to how much you think that total volume of training was necessary and how much of it was just a product of the culture where there's this kind of one-upmanship and there's this, uh, this looking in at what other people are doing and mm-hmm. think, okay, if that guy's, it's like you said, you lean back, you see the one second on the row, you're like, I better pick it up. I think that same thing happens with training methodology when you say, okay, Miko Salo is locking himself in a broom closet <laughs> rowing at three in the morning. I should probably do that too. And right. then it escalates to the point where everybody's got this super robust training program. My question is, like I said, how much of that is absolutely essential and how much of that is a product of the culture where you convince yourself that's what you need to be doing? Uh, I think it's a little bit of a little bit of both. Like, I mean, definitely was different in the earlier days. And it is definitely different. Like when I was referring to that day, that's a day that I spent with Rich, right? 
There's yep. no doubt that Rich trains at the highest volume of any competitor, I would say, that's been out there. Um, mm-hmm. Probably still to this day. He just handles it well. He does best with it. It's how he feels the best uh, mm-hmm. when he does those things. But totally part of the 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 culture and one-upmanship, especially when you're so new to the sport. The sport's very new. You're trying to figure out what's possible, what's the right amount. And in CrossFit, it's very, excuse me, not in CrossFit, but for training for the CrossFit games, it's very easy to get caught up in more is better. Like, Mm -hmm. because there's so many things you have to be good at and not just good at, you have to be great at Mm. to be competitive and to take a top 10 spot, to take a top five, to get on the podium. Like you have to really be great at everything and put together a phenomenal weekend amongst all those other competitors. So it's very easy um, to get lost in the shuffle with the volume that you put in. Now, in years that came after that, I wouldn't necessarily, I spent less time training, but I started to prioritize different things in a different way. You know, right. So like, whereas I spent more time on the barbell in 2012 or 13, you go to the games a couple of times, you compete against people, you do all the open workouts, you're doing regional workouts, you start to realize I've got this one pretty well solved compared to all of my other competitors. Where I mm. rank in the food chain with a barbell in my hands is pretty high. So where I don't rank well is Murph. So let's tip the scales a little bit on terms of where we're putting the emphasis. Mm-hmm. Um, my movement quality isn't as good as Scott Panchik's. It's not as good as Rich's. It's not as good as some of the other competitors and you're losing ground there because you just don't move as well. So you can't Mm -hmm. hold a barbell overhead as long and you're not Mm -hmm. gonna be able to do overhead squats as well as they do. So let's prioritize sitting in the bottom of the squat, foam rolling, all those things. So some of that changed a little bit. And I mean, definitely the big wake up call for me was when I got severely injured um, Mm -hmm. because I didn't know how to turn it off. So the check engine light came on a bunch in 28. Well, really it started in 2017 And it kept coming on and on. And I just kept pushing and pushing and taking a little bit of time off, but really not enough to take care of my body the way that I should. Um, And that's really what resulted in me getting hurt. Yeah. You know, that's the other. Go ahead, Buzz. Well, I was going to say you bought one of those little devices that registers in the car and you just turned off the check engine light. You're like, it's fine. (laughs) Keep on driving. I I, I did. Pat, I'm sorry to jump in. Um, My my follow-up to that, um, because I've long suspected that I think what's actually necessary and what actually drives the needle forward may not be as aggressive as a lot of some of the more um, volume-heavy training programs would suggest. That's, That's my hunch, but I'm not close enough to that world to to say that with any sort of authority. So I'm always kind of curious to hear your take. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the high volume comes from the high volume that you're tested with at the games. So you're talking about what upwards of 16 events or so. Mm, And so 15, I think is the, okay. Yeah. yeah, 15. So if you don't high watermark, if you don't train to that volume, right. You might be, you might, you could argue that somebody might perform a little better on day one. Maybe they're not as mm-hmm. dinged up or fatigued or whatever, but like, if you don't get the steps in to go run a marathon and you go to do it, yeah, you're going to be hurting. You. It's going to be yep. really bad by the, by the last five miles. You don't want to be in that position on Sunday. You want to be the guy who's still ready to push. Yep. And all of those other little things that I mentioned where you prioritize what you need to, like the movement quality, your recovery, all those come 
I feel like way more into play by Sunday, because if you're, if you're moving better, if you're taking better care of your body and all those things, you're going to be more prepped and feel better on that last day for the last three workouts where depending on where you're at, that's the most important moment of the weekend. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of that volume comes from that, you know, you, you could, you could argue back and forth about, is it better for, you know, the top marathoners to run less mileage, more mileage, some Mm. of that depends on the person, but at the end of the day, there is probably a set amount of miles that is optimal and that you have to do. And it's a lot like, it's just, that's just what it is. The nature of the beast, the weekend is an endurance event and you have to prep your body for that in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, that's a great point. But I I wanted to bring it back around to the psychological Mm. aspect of of now kind of transitioning to a different phase of life, still competitive. I don't, you know, just like Marcus Hendren's always going to be a tough dude. I think you're always going to be a competitive dude. There's just no way around that. So how important was it to have this hard parameter of 90 minutes a day before you started this training series that, that ultimately, you know, you wanted to compete um, like if, if you would have left that wide open, I guess is what I'm asking. W- do you think you would have gradually gotten back to a point where you're just in it all day, every day? Yeah. Um, I think, I think part of the, and, and I could get, I got caught up in that a few times where it's like, as soon as, um, let's say eight weeks out from the quarterfinals last year or six weeks out, it, the, the anxiety starts to build a little bit. I know this test is coming. The floor plan is fairly standardized. I, I have a pretty good idea of what's going to come down the pipe, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. And so when you're sitting inside knowing, boy, I could really go back out there and, and knock out a couple more reps of this or mm-hmm. that, or I could work on this. Cause I know it's, we're probably going to see that handstand walk, or we're probably going to see some kind of thing, or we might see what, if we see, what if it comes up? And so yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that got the best of me sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just something like I mentioned before, I had to come to terms with, like, I just had to come to terms with this is your focus now, not that, although you still get to do this and it's not, I mean, I'm learning this year that it's very uncomfortable because I didn't make it to the next round and Mm. I am very competitive and I look and I'm like, you easily could have, if you just would have X, Y, and Z. Um, but you know, that's the nature of the beast. And that's my commitment to myself. That's, that's just what I've laid out for myself. So I have to live with that. You know, you said you'd be okay with however it shook out, just committing 90 minutes a day. It didn't go how you wanted to. Are you actually okay with it? I am. <laughs> a great okay. question. <laughs> I am okay overall like i'm i'm moving forward but no it's not fun looking at the leaderboard and seeing myself in 36th place or whatever knowing you needed to be in the top 30 you know i i would have hated it if i would even been in 30th it would have made me mad that i wasn't in 10th or like fifth or something like that but that's the you know again the realization uh, yeah i mean it's again the realization is like hey you you put yourself here it's this the only reason you're here is because of the things that you've done so that's that's totally fine you know, the, the more is better thing that you mentioned as very common on the competitor side. And I could make an argument. It's certainly crept into the recreational crossfitter side as well. I think at its own peril, but that's a different topic. I, I'd love to chat for a second about 
the injuries that you've sustained, because I appreciate the fact that you're very open and honest about that. And, and I would very much like to have people learn from all the lessons that we've done improperly and the mistakes that we've made to get them on a, on a mm. better course, right? And even if you want to be a competitor and train a ton, and hey, if you win the snatch ladder or a deadlift ladder, that's 100 points. So you're going to be under heavy load frequently. And who's kidding who? I mean, that, that takes a toll on the knees, the back, the shoulder. There's no free lunch. You're always trying to find this, what's the maximum point I can push myself to drive as much adaptation as humanly possible, yet still somehow to be able to recover and do it again. And you're not going to get that perfect balance right all the time until one of your steel cable snaps, you know, because you're an android. <laughs> and, you know, back in the day when I was uh, interviewing athletes as we'd lead up to the games, you know, there was people, and maybe this just speaks about how much injuries did occur at the highest level of competition, right? You wouldn't want to have this level of injury happen in your affiliate. I don't want it to happen to competitors, but the truth is that it did. And so there was people that I would call to do an interview that I knew were doing things properly. Like they had a good sense mm -hmm. of programming. They had a good idea of what to do. And so I, you know, with a newbie, I would ask them a lot of those questions, like, what's your training look like? And blah, 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 blah. If I'm talking to you, to Ben Smith, to Rich Froning, to Scott Pitch, to somebody that I know is doing all the things right anyway, I'd blow by all those questions. I'd just be like, hey, man, are you healthy this year? That was like my number one big question. Mm. And, and, if, and if you or Ben Smith and I was like, yeah, everything feels great, I would just tick on my list, you know, so-and-so will have a good year. I mean, because I knew they were doing all the other things properly, but just as many of those calls, you know, because, uh, you know, I'm not saying any of those people had them, but, you know, trust is a big thing when interviewing people would say, hey, no, as a matter of fact, hey, like, don't tell anybody, but this happened to my knee and it's been bothering me all year. I, I don't know how things are going to go. And I'd say, Roger that I won't make that public. But but that would that was the biggest factor, honestly, of how I thought people mm -hmm. were going to do at the games, because all of you were trying to ride that line and squeeze as much performance out as humanly possible without dinging up the race car too much so what through all the training that you did what are the injuries that you dealt with and then maybe we can talk into what were the most substantial and would you have done anything differently so what what have you dealt with for injuries um from uh 20 i would say 14 kind of on um i kind of knew that i had some sort of sports hernia or something like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a critical, critical issue at the time. It was just something that kind of bugged me, but, uh, you know, you, you're just kind of like, ah, I'll rub some dirt on it and keep rolling through mm -hmm. the next year. I'll take care of it later. I'll take care of it later. I'll, hey, you know, can't, can't miss training days. Can't miss a training <laughs> day. Right. Can't take, can't take time off. Um, and then like uh, in 2015, I had plantar fasciitis rolling into the games, which was incredibly annoying. Um, everybody has something. I think that's an important point to mm -hmm. point out. Like, Absolutely. I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't want to come off as like, well, I had all these injuries when I was working out or oh, at the no, games. I'll, like, I'll yeah, verify everybody, that. Yeah. People are dinged up. Yeah, everybody has something. And if something's not bothering you by the end of the weekend, you, you're probably not doing it right. You should be pushing <laughs> a little harder. But um, yeah, so my shoulder too, my, my left shoulder, like 2016, right around in there, all around at the same time, these things really started popping up and like rearing their head a little bit and really causing me to pause about lifts or like different things that I was doing. Um, and then, uh, 2016, I hurt my pack at the games, didn't do a full tear, but hurt that, or excuse me, 2017, I did that. 
Um, and then 2018, I, I had so many problems with stringing together like a good two weeks of training. Mm. I would get a week in and something else would flare up. It wouldn't be any of the spots I just mentioned. Um, but something else would like compensate that would be my guess. And I'd hurt my back or I'd, I'd tweak my calf or right. this just wouldn't feel right. Then I'd have to take some time off. And all the while, I mean, I had by the time 2018 rolled around 2017, 2018, when I'd go to sleep at night after like some hard training, my left knee, my, my quad tendon, uh, if I wanted to straighten my leg in bed in the morning, I would have to move it with my hands because it hurts so bad oh, wow. to try to like move my leg around under its own power, uh, mm. after a, a heavy day. And to me, it was just tendonitis. It's just, you know, it's one of those things mm. they put some ice pack on and, and do whatever else. And I did actually when, when, get once it. you're warmed up, you'll be fine. Right? Once I'm warmed up. Yeah. This is just, <laughs> it's the morning. You just train yeah. really hard. It's whatever. Um, yeah. but it's amazing how the human brain can rationalize things. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I'll come back to what you just said. You just made a very good point that I want to touch on later about competing now. But um, I actually went to the doctor for it. Um, unfortunately, this is a whole other topic, but was turned down for an MRI on my knee. I got one on my shoulder. They're like, yeah, your uh, uh, labrum's torn in your shoulder. It's not super immediate, but you will need to get it done eventually. And they're like, the, we did an ultrasound on the quad tendon and all these different things. And they're like, well, you know, it's, it's, we think it's just tendonitis, that kind of thing. And okay. And I had people telling me who I was close with sponsors, those people, they knew about what was going on with me. Like take the year off, just mm -hmm. stop. Like you, you're really burning the candle at all ends. Cause I was working another job. I was still trying to compete and, you know, train the way that I had in the past. And I hadn't taken any time off really in all those years. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just, I'm going to do the open. I'm just going to do, the, let's see how that goes. And I'll see how my body kind of responds. And then I'll make the choice from there. And then I think it was 18 point, it was burpees over the bar, dumbbell front squats, and then a max clean in the remaining time after. And uh, my little second to last clean was like 317. I stood it up slow, felt heavy, but didn't feel anything crazy. And then tacked 10 more pounds on the bar, went for 327. And as soon as the weight like sat on my body, like I got my elbows around and it sat, my quad tendon just snapped and it just, it came right off. Um, With 330 did, pounds on your clavicle. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, like it didn't hurt as much as it just felt gross. It was just like a very visceral, like... Mm feeling and nothing that I'd ever experienced before. I've never had a major, never torn ACL, never torn MCL, never did any of that before. I thought I dislocated my whole knee. I didn't handle it well. I was mm. shrieking on the floor, like not sure what to do, but uh, that kind of set off the cascade of surgeries. It was like that needed to be fixed within a week. Like you have to get that fixed quick because it starts to heal funny mm. um, if you don't. And so I got that fixed. And then after talking to the doctor, I'm like, Hey, I've got these other th things going on let's just knock them out. And so double hernia repair and a labrum surgery later that year. Uh, hmm. so all in 2018, I had those three surgeries and then just getting better back from that. All three of those experiences was, it was a nightmare. It was awful for me. Cause it's like, you're running at a hundred miles an hour, doing everything you love to just stop, like just full stop on the couch. You cannot move. You're not allowed to get up. 
someone else has to take care of you for part of the day. Um, like I can remember sending my dad home because I'm like, I'm a man. I need to figure this out. Go home. I don't want to see you anymore. Goodbye. 24 hours later, I'm on the phone. I need you back down here. <laughs> I need you to come oh, back man. down. I can't do this. I was going to say, but you were miserable to be around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and especially, I mean, like, you know, the whole sport is, it just revolves around being capable and being adaptable and, and to have that confrontation of, no, I can't at this time. That's, yeah, that's a tough, tough I transition. Mean, I was lucky. I had a phenomenal surgeon and a phenomenal group of people to help me rehab. Uh, you know, my surgeon was, he had no bedside manner. He'd laugh if he heard me, <laughs> heard you say this. Like he, he was a former Ohio state football player. He played in the pros a little bit and he would just lay it out to me. He's like, here's the deal. If you don't do exactly what I tell you to do, you're going to rip your quad right off your tendon again. We're going to be back in here in three weeks. And you're going to do this all over again. He's like, so just do what I tell you to do and don't do anything else. I'm like, man, the man's a professional. I mean, yes, sometimes sir. you got to hear that, right? That's, <laughs> right. Uh, he's doing you a favor by yes, shooting sir. straight. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, it was a good experience getting back into the flow of things. I had a lot of smart, good people looking after me, but I mean, I say all that too, to, and I, I always try to point this out to anybody listening to me telling those stories. I was not, I, I know that there's no, there's an argument between, is there a separation between CrossFit and the CrossFit games? And I'm very much on the side of, yes, there absolutely is. I was not doing CrossFit. I was doing mm. something way mm -hmm. beyond what you'd go find in the affiliate. And that's how mm -hmm. I got to where I got to. And kind of recklessly, you know, it is my fault that I, ended up there because, you know, I just didn't listen to my body the way that I should have. And I wasn't training for health and fitness or I wasn't training sure. for health and like, you know, to lose body weight or right. longevity. Doing, I wasn't training for longevity. I was training to win $300,000 and be crowned the fittest person on earth. So yep. like you take risks when it comes to those kind of things as a competitor, um, very different than what goes on in the affiliate. Mm. I appreciate you saying that in the honesty involved there and the transparency. <sighs> But I, I don't think I also wouldn't change a thing, Pat. I wouldn't that, I wouldn't change a thing. There we go. And there we go. I was gonna say that's no regards. That's, that's the no in the room. I mean, some people are wired differently. I mean, it's and that's why I'm sorry, not everybody's cut out to be a competitor, even if you're doing competitor well, programming. I'm sorry. Like there's some people who are different between the ears. Period, end of story. And 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 you're the good kind of crazy, and you're the people that we watch compete. Quite frankly, let me, let me let me put on my my philosopher's hat for a moment there too, Pat. And and I'll say, you know, number one, in every life, a little rain must fall. You know, it's not sure. always going to oh, be yeah. good times. Sure, that's, yeah. that's the nature of of no matter what you choose to do with your time, there will be bad times. That's just yeah. the way it's going to be. So know that. Um, but secondarily, you know, I if you're going to shoot for the moon you're going to have a bumpy ride. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that it goes. And that's true if you want to pursue something. Uh, I mean, that could be the, the pursuit of love, you know, like you trying to find your, your mate is probably not just going to be like this straight line. Hey, I went up to the first woman that uh, sure. appealed to me. We hit it off right away. It was this love connection. And now we're here. Unlikely. You know, if you want to be successful in business, if you want to be successful in your career, if you want to be successful as a family man, I mean, whatever it is, oh, yeah. you have to shoot your shot. That's just a, a non-negotiable of life as far as I'm concerned. And so I, I think it comes down to like, what's the goal of life? Is it to make it to the, un, the finish line unscathed? In my opinion, no. I don't think that's the way that it's got to be or, or should be. I, I feel like a, like a non- 
eventful kind of smooth rides where you're just coasting in. I don't know. That doesn't seem like the right approach, even if you have some of those times that result from decisions you've made that aren't easy. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm right there with you, Dan. Like, obviously, I don't have the competitive experience, but but yeah, you get, how how could you look back on a career like that and say, yeah, I regret it? I mean, man, you were you're on top of the world for for a mm-hmm. time there. Yeah, and like, I think that's that's something that gave me or has given me a lot of peace with it now. With like, I'm not happy with how that unfolded, like 2016 to 2018. Mm-hmm. I would have wished for a better end, right? But sure. I can sit here today and say. I'm not disappointed in my effort and everything that I did to try to be the fittest man on earth. I, I wouldn't yep. have changed anything given all the circumstances I was in train more, train less, put more, more priority here, put more or less. Like I did everything I could to try to win. And, and this is how it unfolded. And I'm really proud of it. You know, even though I didn't yep. achieve the number one thing that I wanted, like, I'm still proud of it. I still don't have, I don't have regrets about it. I look back yep. on it with a smile on my face, you know? Oh, that's great. You told me to circle you back to something about rationalizing things or competing now. Yes. Um, you, you mentioned um, rationalizing things in terms of the thing that popped into my head was injuries and why mm. it makes honestly competing now a little bit harder is because I cannot, it is it, the hardest thing it's for me to overcome even last year and this year is going into the gym you, you know, you're in the open scenario. I'm with other games athletes across with Polaris and with Christy and these, you know, uh, a handful of other people that I really respect. And you're just in that zone. You're in that elevated state of mind and amped situation. But the difference now is there's always something in the back of my head that says, I wonder if I'm going to get hurt. I mm-hmm. wonder I'm going to go down on this squat or I'm going to pull this off the floor or I'm going to redline on this part of the workout is everything going to hold tight? Mm-hmm. Like, is everything, because I honest, I didn't expect that to happen before. Right. And while I'm trying to take care of my body the best that I can now, it it's in the back of my head that almost, it shuts off some of that kill mode with some of those things. Sure. Because I'm not yeah, willing, not? I'm not willing to yep. do that again. I'm not willing yep. to put my family through that. I'm not willing to financially go through it again for, for the, the outcome that is over there. And mm-hmm. that, I know takes away from my competitive edge. Like it totally yeah. does because there's a little stop in there somewhere that says, I don't know how this feels. You should slow down a little bit. This doesn't mm-hmm. may not feel quite right. Put the barbell down just for a second. And you can't do that. If you want to be on the top level of any stage, you really, you can't do that. You can't have those things. It doesn't always happen, but it is something that tr- trickles into my mind from time to time when I need to perform and mm-hmm. that, but that's there you know what i mean um yeah that was what i wanted to key in on when you oh, mentioned that that makes sense i mean before those things have happened right nobody ever thinks it's going to happen to them mm-hmm. it's always going right. to happen to the other guy to the other competitors not going to happen to me i'm different and bulletproof and you can well, compete with, a, with a reckless abandon before that happens then afterwards you're like oh i'm actually mortal and yeah, the rules yeah. do apply to me as well well, and I'm sure that that mindset is useful, you know, when you're in the peak competitive time frame, you have to believe to some degree that like, yeah, I can just walk through this wall and that's the way it's going to be. And, mm-hmm. and that's got to be a part of it, you know. Um, but I, I wanted to shift things a little bit in terms of, you know, you've, you've had this amazing athletic career. I know it started well before CrossFit. You're an athletic guy before that. 
you continued, you know, uh, making a huge impact on the, the CrossFit scene, still are. Um, you mentioned you got hurt in 2018. That was kind of the big year to, to have all these things repaired, et cetera. It's crazy to me on a side note that that was 2018. It seems like it was just yesterday. <laughs> I I, it really does. Uh, it must be getting old. But uh, I, <laughs> my, my point in all this rambling is, um, you know, I think the public oftentimes has a short memory. And I think the public also wants to create an image of somebody that is just singular. And so in many cases, I, I'm really interested in the transition of somebody who, again, known to the public as Dan Bailey, five-time CrossFit Games athlete, top 10 finisher every time, Mr. Consistency. You know, fast forward a couple of years, you're no longer as competitive. Um, it, how is that? in dealing with kind of the way that the public perceives you, their memory of you, like what, what does that impact in your day-to-day life, if anything? Um, and how do you, how do you deal with that transition as an athlete? There's still some interactions where, um, I'll bump into some people or somebody who recognizes me and they're like, you know, you going to the games this year. I'm just like, Boy, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the past four years. Like, <laughs> yeah, rough I, got go. <laughs> I got my ticket to the yeah, my ticket. What, what seat are you in? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I'll be announcing. No, uh, yeah. It, it, there is some of that uh, perception, I think, especially from uh, people who hold on to that, to the those early years of the CrossFit mm-hmm. Games. And it's just like, the, just you're just always going to be there. You're just always the face that's there. And, um, you know, the realization that like, well, I'm closer now to 40 than I am to, to 30. Like, that's just not, not my thing anymore. Um, is, you know, some people don't realize that, or, you know, I hear, I tell them, I might, I might do masters, but I'm kind of thinking about it. They're like, Oh, really masters? Like, you don't want to like that. I'm like, well, no, I don't. Um, on on a lot of levels I don't. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's, it's been interesting. Like it's been a good transition. Um, again, it's like where, where can I find value? Where can I improve the quality of other people's life? I have this, mm-hmm. you know, giant uh, log of knowledge now from all of mm-hmm. the experiences that I've had, all of the failures that I've had, really the things that didn't work. Um, and then providing that to other people in some way and, and distilling it down to something that's useful in the everyday person's life, whether in the, they're in the gym or not. You know, we talk about, mm. especially you guys here don't talk about competitive CrossFit as much, but there's so much that can be learned from that experience that can be brought mm-hmm. into um, the everyday uh, gym life. If somebody wants to get better at X, Y, or Z, or, you know, they're having trouble here, or even from a mental mindset of just their day to day. Um, you know, a lot of times when you're a trainer, you're also a psychologist. And a lot of times, you know, you, <laughs> right you, know, out. <laughs> you, you solve a lot of other problems. Uh, you people get pretty trusting of you. So mm-hmm. um, it's all been very useful in, in figuring out the best way to do that. And, do it in a way that I'm proud of is been its own unique challenge that, you know, I'm kind of marching through every day now. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, go ahead, Buzz. I, I, I kind of feel like we got to go back to the beginning now and uh, ask the routine question now that we've got this amazing conversation that we've just had. But um, I, I don't know that I've ever heard the story from you you know, how did you find CrossFit in the first place? And what was it that drew you to it enough to throw yourself in with such um, totality? So I heard about it. I got told about it twice. The second time is when I actually followed through. The first time I was coaching out at uh, Fresno Pacific University, 
with a good friend of mine, uh, JT. And one of the athletes there was like, Hey, coach Dan, I found this website. It's called crossfit.com. It's like a workout with all these pull-ups and all this stuff. And you do it really fast. And it looks like a lot of fun. You should check it out. And I didn't check it out because I was still running at that point. That was my thing. Like I was, uh, training a little bit for like 800 meter kind of distance and having some fun mm-hmm. doing that and training with some of the athletes that were there. So I didn't really pay much attention to it. And I moved back to Ohio. I was going back to school for a master's degree and, you know, you start to show up at the rec center at the same time every day, inevitably the same guys are there every day and you just start working out together. Like that's just kind of how it goes. And one of the guys named Will, um, was all in on CrossFit, like loved it. Uh, and he's a great dude. And he's like, Hey, you got to try this stuff. You got to try this, try a couple workouts, blah, 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 blah. And I think the first one I did was either Grace or Fran. I know those were the first two that I did. I think it was Fran. Cause he's like, it's these thrusters and pull-ups 21, 15, nine, blah, blah, blah. And i just fell right into the trap. Like everybody else, like <laughs> a quarter miler, like I know pain, I understand, you know, how this should go. And this should take me no time. And it crushed me. Like I remember getting into the round of 15 and putting down the barbell, like, holy cow, like, why does my body hurt so bad? Mm -hmm. Why am I having trouble just getting my chin over the bar? This is ridiculous. Like, uh, I can't remember what I finished in some, probably somewhere around six minutes, I would say five minutes, something like that. Um, and then the day after that, he had me do grace and, uh, I think I actually did that. And like, cause it's just, you know, stop the pedal. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, I mean, there's technique involved, but you just go. And I think I did it in like 90 seconds or right Ooh, around there. Geez. Probably not the me, cleanest, me too, Dan, probably my first, experience. <laughs> right. probably not the cleanest <laughs> reps you've ever seen. But, uh, when I, when I finished it and he's just staring at his stopwatch with like his eyes popping out of his head, he's like, you're coming to the gym. You have to come to the gym. You have to come check this out. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, I'll I'll check it out. And that's when I met Brian. I went over to CrossFit Legacy. Will went to CrossFit Legacy. And uh, I joined there and just started doing the daily class workouts. And I beat everybody by quite a bit. Uh, Just being a collegiate athlete, obviously, I think helped Mm -hmm, me out. And then uh, they're like, oh, hey, by the way, you know, you can compete in this. Like there's, there's an event like there is, you get to be crowned the fittest man on earth. And here's who won it last year and, or here's who won it in previous years. And I think, uh, at the time it was Miko or like, for whatever reason I gravitated onto Miko. Like, I don't know why, um, he did some oh. chipper in 2009, I believe. Yeah. It would have been 2009. There was some chipper and I would do it in the gym, just trying to beat him like over and over <laughs> and over <laughs> again, just trying to match his time. Uh, I signed up for my first competition, which was sectionals at that time, which was a live event. There was no open in 2010. Yep. And uh, I signed up with like at 11 55 PM when midnight it closed. I didn't know if I wanted to do it. I'm like, um, going back to school competing. Like I did the competition thing. I don't know. I'm like, okay, I'll sign up and do it. And then I ended up winning that event. Um, and didn't quite make it through in 2010. I lost to Graham and Ben Smith and another guy named Braden at the time. Uh, but then Graham obviously went on to win the games uh, that year in 2010. But I was hooked mm-hmm. after that. I was like, after I didn't make it, I did so well. And then I didn't make it that year. I mean, I was pissed. And I'm like, I I will be at the games in 2011. I will be there. Um, and I won the Open in 2011. And then the kind of the rest is history. Just kind of steamrolled from there. Wow. Wow. 
So the uh, the competitive fire was really uh, it was stoked within you, huh? And that's uh, that was the hook. That was kind of the catalyst. And yeah. let's be serious, like CrossFit's fun. Like it's just yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just down to its its base. Like it's so much fun. Like it's just there's so many different things that you can challenge with yourself with, even if you're mm-hmm. not a competitor. Getting your first muscle up, uh, you know, absolutely. It, well, I, I, you know, and this is something that. I think everybody shares as a CrossFitter, even if it's not articulated necessarily, is that it's really cool to be around a group of people where the singular focus is accepting challenge and trying to rise to it. That being around a group of people where that is the ethos, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're working like you are to be top of the heap or you're just somebody there that's trying to improve your life a little bit better, the baseline understanding is challenge is worthy of investing time in. And the benefit is going to be there if I apply myself to it. And, and that mindset, if you have people around you also in that mindset, I mean, it does amazing things to your life. I think, I think we see that over and over and over again, regardless of the level that you uh, are engaging with. So That's well said. I don't think you could say it better. That's great. And I know that you were a collegiate athlete, a runner, and that's tremendous. Yep. But... I'm just going to double down on my statement that some people are just born with different stuff. Your first exposure to grace yielded a 90-second time. I don't care if you didn't lock out overhead. I don't care if the bar was a little bit in front. The mere fact that on first exposure, you took a 135 barbell from ground overhead 30 times, and you're like, 90 seconds. I'm with your buddy. My eyeballs would be bugging out of my head like, you haven't been doing this for years? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's ridiculous, my friend. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. I'm very happy that you listened to your friend, that he drug you to the gym, and then we had the pleasure of watching you compete for as long as we did. I appreciate that. The the thing that I wanted to follow up with it is just that it brought me so many great opportunities, joys, friendships, all those different things. I mean, with you two guys, especially. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably, it's the second best thing that I've committed myself to. The other one is I just recently got married. Congratulations, so, hey, that's, my that's friend. The number one commitment. Yeah. That actually she said yes to. So yes. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> very, very happy for you. Um and if I can drag you away from her and I can get some time away from my three kids, we got to make some time to get out into the woods again for a backpacking trip, a little mental Absolutely. decompression. I invite Mr. Bosman, get him out there as well. I'd and, be uh, happy to. And and uh, likewise, uh, Dan, we got to get the uh, the rubber on the road one of these oh. days soon. This week, I'm updating my uh, registration, going to get it all Beautiful. fired up and get it ready to go. You let me know. I'll be here. Roger well, that. Let, let people know, Dan, um, you know, if they want to learn more about you, how can they find you? I know you also have delicious coffee, by the way. You sent me some. I loved it. So this is this is the time. Let everyone know. How, how can they find out more about you, what you got going on? Yeah. Um, Instagram, just Dan underscore Bailey nine is the Instagram handle. Most of the content I post is there. I'm also on YouTube. Uh, the training platform is always train.com and features like the three or four different like training modalities that I've loved the most over the years. There's obviously GPP CrossFit in there. There's strength training, uh, there's bodybuilding, and then there's the competitor program. So, um, all those are featured on the website, uh, godscountrycoffeeshop.com is where we sell our delicious beans. Mm-hmm. We'll actually be up at Granite Games um, oh. in two weekends. 
And we're going to be selling nice. hot iced nitro and cold brew. So we're pretty excited about that. It's going to be a fun trip. We were there last year and went, went really well. So um, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. Those are the things you can find me at. Happy, happy for you, my friend, and happy that you're uh, grateful that you're able to make the time for us. So yeah, thank you. I'll kind of wrap this up as I always do. Uh, you know, that big, huge thanks to Dan, of course. But in the comments, if you're viewing or listening, go to this episode on the BTWB YouTube channel. Post your thoughts about this. Um, maybe you've got aspirations of competing or you've got lessons learned. Put those down there so they can be a wonderful reference for other people with similar interests. We can all learn together if we kind of openly share our thoughts. So for Adrian Bosman and Dan Bailey, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.